speaking, it was done. Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured there before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. We humans, yes, we humans, we do not react well when we are confronted by things that are bigger than us. For example, we often portray angels, yes, angels, as quiet, feminine, and gentle beings that we humans might want to cuddle with. However, when we read the Bible, angels are not cuddly, they're not feathery beings, but warriors, Yes, warriors. And the people of the Bible who come into contact with these angels, well, they never do well. They never do well, but fall into a thousand pieces due to fear of these angelic warriors. And Jesus? Well, we often enjoy hearing stories in the Bible about Jesus' tenderness and his compassion. But today's reading does not portray a cuddly Jesus but a majestic Jesus. That is to say, in our reading from the Gospel of Matthew here this morning, we hear about Jesus' appearance changing from the inside out, right before the eyes of Peter and James and John. Well, Jesus' face poured out sunlight. His clothes were filled with light. His divine glory was revealed to the disciples, showing that he was no ordinary man. Now, you would think that the disciples would have been really excited about this. But just like those people who came into contact with angels, the disciples, well, they were nervous. They were uneasy. They didn't know what to really say. So when the apostle Peter said this, Teacher, it is is good for us to be here. Let 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 us put some tents up for you. Well, get this. This is Peter's nerves. Peter reacted to the great glory of Jesus with nervous talk. 
and wanting to build stuff. Isn't that typical, though? When we face things that are bigger than us and more powerful than us, well, we often become paralyzed with fear. And if we're not paralyzed in fear, we end up talking a lot with a lot of nerves. You know, something bigger comes along, and then it confronts us, and then we talk, and we talk, and we talk with a nervous kind of talk. And then when we're not talking, well, our nerves force us into action to kind of do something or build something to act. Well, we become very busy, very busy indeed. For example, think of it this way. Anytime anything bad or big or catastrophic happens in life, well, news reports are filled with reports of events and analysts and talk of commentaries, commentaries on the events. And then there are commentaries on the commentaries and commentaries on the commentaries on the commentaries and a lot of talk. Then right after the event has taken place, well, task forces are formed, committees are assembled to investigate, hearings are commissioned, reports are written, action steps are taken, laws are made. See, these big things, these big things in life, they cause us to talk a lot and act like busy little bees or nervous hamsters. But why is it this way? Well, simply stated, when big things occur in life, we try to find words to describe or talk about the thing that we just experienced, the thing that just happened. When we have the ability to talk about big events, we somehow feel like we're in control. Yes, we are in control. If we can describe event and talk about it, it gives us a disposition of feeling that we have then mastered or controlled or the ability to describe that event, we feel more secure with it. And all of our busy actions, all of those steps and those things that we do, the responses to the big events, well, this is us trying to manage the event as well. We try to contain the big event and wrap our arms around it so that we can feel in control so we can feel safe, so we can feel secure, so we don't get this, so we don't have to feel small. Now, dear friends, while it is good to know how to respond to big things and events in life, to be prepared, while the majority of the time our nervous talk and our building of things is rather useless. More often than not, this chatter and talk that we do and these action steps that we have they really serve to distract us from just how tiny we are and really how helpless we are in this world. Now, Peter, James, and John, well, they were tiny as well, that transfiguration day long ago. You see, Jesus revealed his glory to these three disciples, and Peter, as previously mentioned, well, technically speaking, he freaked out. He started blabbering with nervous talk and then, as a typical guy, he tries to build stuff. However, in the midst of that nervous chatter and his busy plans to build things, a cloud overshadowed them, overshadowed the three disciples, and the voice of God the Father interrupted, interrupted that chatter and that plan, those plans to build things. This is my son, the beloved with him. I am well pleased. Listen to him. In other words... We could translate that as saying this, knock it off, Peter, shut up, stop all your nervous work, stop, listen, open your ears, listen, Peter, 
baptized saints, it troubles me to say this, but it seems that in North America, way too many churches and Christians talk a lot about God's glory, but do not understand it. In other words, it is not uncommon for churches and Christians to sing about wanting to see God's glory. Lord, we want to see your glory. But if we're truly honest, we really don't want to see God's glory because we freak out. God's glory, you see, is not tame. His glory is not domesticated. His glory is not something that would immediately give us comfort but would more than likely drive us to fear. But perhaps as we contemplate this, maybe we really do understand God's glory. Perhaps it is evident in our piety and how we act and think. For example, in North America, while we sing so much about wanting to see God's glory, we at the same time push pastors to not preach about God's glorious wrath, God's glorious law, or that glorious second coming of Christ in judgment to judge the living and the dead. Furthermore, just consider the architecture. Yes, the architecture of many North American churches. Does not the architecture communicate what we believe about God's glory? Frankly stated, it is very, yes, very weird to see churches in North America singing about how they want to see God's glory, while at the same time, these very same churches have exchanged pictures of glorious archangels and bloody crosses and vaulted ceilings for padded theater seating, PowerPoint projector screens, and vanilla lattes with skim milk. Much of the architecture of churches in America, yes, much of the architecture does the very best. They, this architecture does the very best to conceal the glory of God to make the person in the pew not feel uncomfortable with God's glory. Once upon a time, church sanctuaries that displayed the divine and glorious eternal things of God to a lost and dying world have now been transformed to make parishioners not feel small, but like they are in a coffee shop with a friend or at a hotel with a family or a movie theater with a buddy. Like Peter, we build stuff and we talk a lot whenever we come into contact with God's glory because frankly, we're uncomfortable and nervous about God's glory. His glory makes us feel small. But dear friends, what we must understand is that it is not bad. I repeat, it is not bad if the Lord's glory makes you and me uncomfortable. The glory of God should make you and me uncomfortable. It should unsettle us. You see, we should never trust a version of Jesus that we do not fear. Silly slogans like, Jesus is my homeboy or Jesus is my best friend forever are more harmful than good. Yes, we must understand that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Yes, Jesus is fully human, flesh and blood just like you and me. However, Jesus is also Lord. He is the divine one. He is master. He's the one who was transfigured that day before Peter and James and John. He is bigger than you. He's bigger than me. He's more powerful than us. And so Jesus must be feared and respected. We cannot and should not worship a version of Jesus that is on the same level as us, beneath us. As one pastor said, never worship a Christ that you can beat up. We are just not that glorious. We are small. 
We are the created. So you may be saying, point taken, pastor. We, we get it. Christ is glorious. Like Peter, James, and John, we, we, we fear glory. But now what? Well, my friends, hear the words of God the Father. Knock it off. Yes, you and me, stop. Listen. We need to stop our nervous chatter and busyness and listen. Simply listen. Please hear this now. You who have ears, hear. We often try to strip the glory away from Christ because the glory and the power of Christ that makes us feel uncomfortable and alone. We feel small. It is easier to have Jesus on our level. But in doing this, we miss the whole point of who Christ is. Yes, he is fully man, but he is also fully God. We cannot dismiss his glorious divinity, even if it makes us feel uncomfortable. You see, even though the disciples fell on the ground and were overcome with fear that day long ago, Jesus, get this, we hear that Jesus, he came to them and he touched them saying, get up, get up and do not be afraid. Christ is the one who created all things. However, he did not remain high and above those disciples transfigured, but get this, he, he drew near them. And the same is for you. The same is true for you. Hear this. Christ descended so low that no sin of yours could escape his bloody wounds on the cross. Yes, no sins could escape him. Baptized saints, hear this text. Consider who Jesus is. He is the glorious transfigured one. Yes, he indeed is. However, as the glorious transfigured one, Jesus, then he descends off of that mountain and he goes right towards Mount Calvary to pay for all of your sins. Just as he could not have stayed in heaven but had to be born in Bethlehem long ago, well, that Jesus, yes, your Jesus, could not have stayed transfigured on that mountain, but he had to descend to a cross for you and for me. And so, who goes to Mount Calvary? To suffer, to bleed, to die, to be mocked. Not some weak victim, but the glorious transfigured Christ. Who bleeds and dies on the cross for your sins. Not some ordinary Joe Blow, but the divine Messiah. And so baptized saints, yes, we fear Jesus because he is God and we are not. We always will have a holy awe and a reverence for Christ. However, we also will love Jesus and listen to him. Yes, listen to him because he does not leave you and me in fear, but he draws near to us. He drew near to us in that cross long ago, and he comes down to the very same level, that same level as you and me right now and even beneath us to touch you and me with forgiveness, life, and salvation in his glorious word and sacraments. His glory, my friends, is not too high for you. But the glorious one comes to you. And so we not only fear him, but we love and trust and obey him. Because the glorious one comes for you to make all things right. To claim you as his own. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with 